Hey, this is Kevin from Kevin's Barbecue Joints, and welcome to episode 289 of the Kevin's Barbecue Joints podcast. And this one's a really great one. It's with Jim Buchanan from Dozier's Barbecue in Full Shear, Texas. I think I'm mispronouncing that, but it's west of Houston. And I think he even uh, lets me know how to pronounce it properly. This one's intriguing because Jim has been through a lot in the barbecue business, and he's had Mother Nature come and wipe out his business right before it opened. We talk about all the different steps and things that have happened along the way, but he's persevered. There's been moments where, you know, most people probably would have given up, but he sticks to it, and now he's here at Dozier's, and the path is so intriguing. It's it's about an hour interview, and touch on pretty much every subject within the barbecue world, as well as what Dozier's offers, and they have four components to their business. He'll go into depth about that. It's definitely a place you want to visit. They're open Tuesday through Sunday from 11 till 7. He's actually talking about adding dinner to certain nights. And one of the big reasons I wanted to talk to him because they have brunch and their brunch sounds amazing. They have pork steak and they have things with biscuits and it's, he goes into depth about the entire menu for all different things. And you can tell that his wheels are always spinning and about their pits and the Moberg they have and, and what kind of barbecue he really is trying to represent. And he's just, he's just forthcoming. He's got great attitude. Uh, he's got great knowledge about food and barbecue and the barbecue culture and the barbecue family. And I really, really think you're going to enjoy this. I can't thank Jim enough for taking the time. It was a pleasure sitting down with him. And when you're in Houston, you definitely should stop by at Dozier's. And I'm excited to announce that the Kevin's Barbecue Joints YouTube show and podcast is also brought to you by Flores Tortillas. This has been a little while in the making, but I can't be more excited about having Michael on board with Flores Tortillas. Flores Tortillas are my favorite tortillas. They're made with smoked beef tallow. They they are delicious. I think I've sent them to a dozen people across the United States. And if you can get your hands on some, I'll put a list below. Dozier's carries Flores Tortillas, so that's cool. That's another reason to stop by Dozier's because they have their grocery with local goods. They have Flores Tortillas, but they're just fantastic. They go on sale every Monday at 10 a.m. Central Texas time online and they do sell out very quickly. They're also available at a bunch of barbecue spots and even a spot in Virginia. I'll put all that information below and I've written a piece about where you could find Flores Tortillas but I'm excited to have them on board and I'll give you guys additional information about that in future episodes and I'm also sponsored by Centex Smokers. They're out of Luling, Texas. Check them out at Centex underscore smokers. Michael is doing amazing pits. It's just, the pits are gorgeous. Amazing. <laughs> Every week it seems like there's something new coming out. He is now, and I wanted to correct myself. I've been saying his lead time is four to five months. His lead time is actually 12 to 14 months now because he's become so popular. So if you do want to get an order in, give him a DM. Again, Centex underscore smokers. And get a quote and get your order in line because lead time is starting to go out further. So again, Flores Tortillas, Centex Smokers, can't think of better partners to have for the show. Thank you guys for watching and listening and do enjoy this interview with Jim at Dozier's Barbecue. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? I'm well. Uh, how's, how's your day going? How's your week going? And how is 2021? <laughs> Uh, 2021 has actually been really, really good. We've been incredibly fortunate during the pandemic where, you know, many, many of my friends uh, in this industry have, have been struggling. We're experiencing a bit of a resurgence. Wow. Did, can you pinpoint why or is, is there a specific reason why, do you think? It would be difficult for me to really put my finger on it. I think it's basically... Uh, um, a number of factors that have just kind of combined and, and snowballed into uh, where we are now. First off, let's talk about it is 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 it Dozers or Dozers or yeah, it's, it's Dozers. Dozers, okay, Dozers, yeah. and this we'll say it a bunch of times that way it'll stick in people's heads. And it's sure. D O Z I E R S, and that's someone's last name, right? That's correct. Yeah, that's a, the business is named after Ed Dozier, uh, who, who was a very popular, very famous uh, barbecue guy from 1950s. Uh, he started Dozier's in Fulcher, Texas in 1957. It actually started out as a grocery store, and he, he started to add barbecue pieces here or there. Uh, it eventually became known as, uh, you know, like a destination barbecue place on the far west side of Houston. That's kind of the story for a lot of places in the history of Texas barbecue is they were a market or they were a butcher shop and then they kind of added that barbecue part to their business. Like that sounds, 
it's it doesn't it makes sense it's that it wouldn't make sense like in los angeles that's not usually how it really works but it, that definitely makes sense was the deer processing part of it was that always there too it started out as a grocery store uh you know fulcher is a small community uh there, there's it, it's a fair distance from back in the 50s it was a fair distance from anything you know the, the, the people in the community needed to have access to groceries uh there was a smokehouse in in fulcher called meyer smokehouse okay. um, uh dozers did not start off as a smokehouse and a deer processing plant it just kind of developed into that over the years and deer processing because when i came to texas all the eyes are driving around and i've mentioned this before the show i had never seen deer processing i didn't even know what that was yeah. can you explain briefly what that is too yeah deer processing is big business in texas yeah. uh you know there there are a lot of white-tailed deer uh in texas particularly in south texas uh deer season is uh, an event of its own down here uh hunters go out they they uh harvest the animal uh they'll typically skin and quarter it and bring it to us and then we'll break the animal down uh turn it into sausages or jerky uh any other any other cuts that they're looking for and so they're coming specifically and the, and i and i looked actually a few days ago on your menu too, you guys list what you what you guys will do with that right. deer carcass and and you can't bring like can you bring a full deer like for people that don't know how to break down deer or is that something you would hope that people can do on their yeah, own yeah we, we prefer that they come in quarter, <laughs> but we can't take a whole animal um you know we charge we charge extra to skin it we charge okay. extra to, to break it down but you know for the most part people bring them in uh experience hunters typically bring them in filled dressed and quartered um but we, we can do it all for them yeah, and people load up their freezers, and that's something that they have for a lot. Yeah, it's 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 just a it's unique to areas that ha that have actually hunting and as part of their daily life because you know Los Angeles again. I know I know friends that are hunters, but a lot of people go out and they hunt bird. I think I don't think deer is so big here, but there's right. places too like where you drive around the country and there's deer everywhere. They're like running across the road, like you have to watch out all the time for deer. That's yeah, that's not, us here. That's yeah, that's not not here at all. You know, it's funny too, but I didn't see is that is that more prevalent down closer to where you are? You know, I think it's all over the state. Um, but you know, Texas isn't the only area where there where there's a heavy deer oh, yeah. population. You know, you look at Washington. Ohio, there's a lot of hunters in Ohio, Michigan, Wisconsin. Um, you know, it's it's pretty widespread. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It, it, and, and in areas where hunting is a, a part of their culture, uh, you know, they're there there's those guys get really, really really into it oh yeah without a doubt yeah no it's a it's it's a passion it's definitely in my instagram feed during certain times of year is full of people posing with their with their catch whatever my catch right. there yeah kill. they're killed <laughs> yeah they're catch <laughs> they're not catching it taking it home to, as a pet and now it's is uh are people coming in to process and then getting barbecue is that is that part of the Typically how it works. Yeah. yeah. So, so dozers, we, we actually have four distinct business, um, business units all combined under one roof. Uh, you know, we're, we're, we're still a small grocery store. Although yeah, we, yeah. We've transitioned more from, uh, convenience items, more into like specialty grocery items, uh, with okay. a heavy focus on, uh, things that are made locally, you know, local somewhat relevant, but, um, Fulcher is a small community. There's not a whole lot of stuff being made there. Um, but you know, we don't, we don't, we're, we're not the corner shop anymore. We've got a big, we've got several large grocery stores, uh, within a three mile radius. Uh, so, you know, we're not trying to compete with them. We're trying to, we're trying to bring in things that, uh, are, people are not going to find at the big grocery store chains. That's smart. Uh, yeah. And then we also have a, a full meat market. Uh, we don't do a uh, whole carcass butchering. We'll bring in the subprimal cuts, uh, and then break them down in house. But we, we, uh, we carry only beef from 44 farms which is a texas-based uh yeah texas-based cattle company uh it's 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 black angus cattle uh it's all you know i buy all upper choice which is about as close to prime as you can get without paying for prime it's all natural grass-fed grain finish uh hormone free antibacterial free it's just really really good meat yeah and then, yeah and then we and then we have a smokehouse uh you know smokehouse program where we make all of our own sausages we have 13 different styles of sausage bacon jerky snack sticks um basically anything that you can find in a smokehouse we've got it on we've got it on our premises okay i got i'm gonna stop this right now i, I hate you <laughs> in, the, in the best way oh the lord and then you have your barbecue 
we have the barbecue. And the barbecue too, like that. I was look, I wanted to look at the out because I know on Sunday you have a Sunday brunch too. And I'm yeah, I just started around, that. There's... I just started that last weekend. My background is uh, yeah. uh, <clears throat> my background in barbecue is is uh, uh, you know one of those guys who's always trying to uh, find something different to do with smoked proteins. You know, take a take a, um, a cultural influence from some other region and find a way to uh, to to turn it into a barbecue dish. It's been uh, affectionately referred to as Goofy Q um, over the past seven or eight years. Yeah. Um, I haven't heard that one yet. Okay, I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. I'm, I'm that guy. One of the food editors from the Chronicle, Greg Morego, uh, referred mm-hmm. to me in, in writing one time as a nonconformist, and I've embraced that. That's kind of what I've been known for uh, through, you know, my, my, my barbecue travels. But when I came out to Dozier's, which is, you know, this storied legendary barbecue place, uh, I, I was pretty candid with everybody that I was going to try and leave that, that yoke of, of nonconformity behind me, um, and just focus on the traditional barbecue, try to really, um, not reinvent it, but evolve it, um, into, you know, more modern day standards. The brunch service was something that we added simply because we're in, uh, the, the fastest growing city in the U S with a population of more than 10,000. Uh, and they're, they're, yeah, they're throwing up bedroom communities, uh, all around us. And, you know, there's, there's just not really that many dining options for folks. Uh, and, and I saw what I thought That's was smart. A, yeah, I saw what I thought was a pretty big uh, area of opportunity doing a Sunday brunch because there just isn't anything like that in this area. Um, and, and I had a brunch in my previous my previous restaurant. I had a, a pretty robust, robust barbecue brunch menu. And I, I, I saw a way to you know take a stripped down version of that and apply it in this setting without really going too far away from the, the history of the place. Let's let's go back for people that haven't listened to Tales from the Pits or read anything from Allison Cook or JC or Daniel. Like somehow they haven't heard your backstory. Can we go back a little bit further, at least to and and it and it's you've been very open about it's it's been a struggle. It's been it hasn't been this easy road of you didn't just have a pop up and then boom you have a restaurant with you know it's it's been tough some some challenges along the way. Yeah, um, uh, my friends like to joke with me that uh, Mother Nature really has it in for me. I, I started my uh, my commercial barbecue career started with uh, a guy named Wes Jarena, who uh, I became friends with on the competition barbecue circuit. Okay. Wes, Wes and I just kind of clicked when we met. Uh, and one day he called me up and he said, hey, I got laid off from my government job. Um, <clears throat> I'm going to buy a trailer and sell barbecue. What do you think? And I said, Hey man, that sounds great. And, you, and is this in Houston or outside this is in Houston? Houston. Yeah, okay. this is in Houston. Uh, and so we started, uh, uh, <laughs> we started slinging barbecue out of a trailer, uh, under the Papa Charlie's barbecue banner. Um, this was in, uh, 20, late 2013, early 2014. Okay. Uh, you know, when, 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 when what's now called craft barbecue was really just starting yeah. to take off in Texas. And you know, developed a pretty solid reputation. People thought we were pretty good, and said, "Hey, you should open a restaurant." So we did, and um, uh, we we you know we 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 toiled along in the shadows of downtown Houston, uh, the area that's called East Downtown, right near Minute Maid Park, where the Astros play, and uh, developed a pretty solid reputation. But you know, again, that whole brand of, uh, of nonconformity, the Goofy Q thing, was something that was kind of like um, our 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 badge of honor was that just like wacky ideas like really or like really out there yeah you know some of it was some of it wasn't you know we would would do things like smoked meatball subs which uh you'll probably see pop up here in the next couple weeks you know yeah bacon wrap (laughs) smoked meatloaf we were doing uh uh stuff with asian influences we were using char siu uh gochujang um, you know, we, uh, uh, we were using stuff with, uh, uh, Indian spices like masalas, just anything that we could think of that was, you know, from a different, uh, cultural background that we thought would apply to smoke proteins in a Texas barbecue restaurant. We were, we were really trying to embrace that. Now, it, you know, a shining example of, of, of what we were doing then they were also doing it at the same time as uh, blood brothers. Barbecue. Yeah. It sounds like uh, stuff that you see now. Yeah, that, you were a little bit maybe too early for it. Maybe. See, uh, no, no, I don't think we were. You know, like I said, uh, Blood Brothers, they, they, they started as a pop-up. 
uh, you know, the same, roughly the same time okay. that Papa Charlie's did. Uh, and uh, uh, the same with Pat Fegis and uh, Aaron Smith at Fegis Barbecue. Um, you know, we all kind of came up at the same time and we were all kind of playing around with stuff. Just somehow Wes and I got uh, pigeonholed as the Goofy Q guys. It God, might have something God. to do with the Butterfinger brisket that I was, uh, <laughs> that I was churning out. Um, but, you know, it just kind of, it just kind of got crazier and crazier along the way. Okay. I, <laughs> I see. And, and was that the restaurant that Harvey hit? No. Uh, so I left Papa Charlie's in 2017, uh, decided I wanted to hang my own banner. Um, I was going through uh, just some life changes and my, my father had passed uh, not too, not too long before that. Uh, and I, I wanted to do something to kind of uh, honor him, uh, carry on his legacy because I don't, I don't have any kids. So I left Papa Charlie's and started Buck's Barbecue, named it after my dad. And we were going into a building in the Heights area of Houston, just to the north of downtown. And the day we were supposed to uh, have our soft open was the day the Hurricane Harvey hit town. Oh. And did it just did it destroy the building, yeah. or did it just just yeah. it just it flooded everything? Yeah, it flooded. We were on. Well, we were actually on national news. Um, the the building is a two story building along the edges of a bayou uh, called White <laughs> Bayou, and the, the the entire first floor was underwater. We had two semi trucks washed into the building. Um, I mean, it was just you know it was a total loss. Oh. So at that moment, what do you think? Like, is that number one, can you get flood? Like, can you get hurricane and flood insurance? Is that something that people can get in Houston area or is that so exorbitant for a business to get? Is that yeah, you, you, you can get it. Uh, it, it, it's cost prohibitive. Yeah. Um, and you know, and, and flood, flood protection really only applies to the property owners. And I, I wasn't a property owner. That's true. I, yeah. I was, I was, a I was a, basically a subtenant. A sub yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sub lessee. Um, <clears throat> and, uh, you know, we, 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 we didn't get anything out of it. We'd spent a fair amount of money, you know, getting ready to open up and, uh, it was all, it was all gone in the blink of an eye. And this is you and your wife, right? Yeah, uh, you know, I had some uh, I had some investors who were along with, for the ride. Um, you know, we, we there was a lot of excitement. I'd already done a menu uh, a menu preview with uh, Eric Sandler from Culture Map, oh. um, and uh, you know, it was just literally just wake up one morning and you're like, well, that was. Fun. And and so what do you like? How does how do you how do you deal with that? Like I just emotionally like you already dealt with your father passing. That's a big yeah. deal, and you're honoring him with this restaurant. And then Mother Nature comes and just wipes that out. Do, is there a, a period of time where you're just kind of aimless? Like, I, I, I just don't know how, I just know how I would react, but is it, that's tough. That's hard to deal with. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. I, I spent a fair amount of time in the military and my, my, my training in the military always taught me, you know, you don't quit. You just keep moving forward uh, one foot in front of the other until you reach the yeah. objective. Um, and, and, and I looked at it, I looked at it this way. Uh, I could lay on the couch and cry about it and wait for somebody to save me, or I could pick up the pieces and try to make uh, lemonade out of the lemons. Yeah. Uh, and that, that's what we did. We, um, uh, we, we bought a small trailered uh, barbecue pit and got connected with some guys who owned a brewery uh, not too far away uh, from where we were opening the restaurant and started slinging barbecue on the weekends, just trying to build, trying to build some brand awareness. And was under the box name? Under the Bucks name, yeah, I, you know that 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 just wasn't walking away from that, um, and we 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 lived the uh, we lived the pop up life for you know several not years. Easy. Uh, it's not, and I, I, there there was a there was a point where um, you know I was I, I was in residency in a bar in East Downtown uh, called Lucky's Lodge, uh, you know where I was the the house entertainment. Um, providing barbecue for lunch and dinner, uh, and then I was also doing pop-ups at two other locations. Uh, so I, you know, I'd, I'd shut down service at Lucky's Lodge and uh, hook up the trailer and all of my stuff and go someplace else and pop up. Uh, and then the next day you do it all over again. It was, it was, it was a grind. But you know, we were trying to build something. Mm -hmm. And then, so then when do, when the Dozier's opportunity came about, that took some thinking too to decide whether or not you wanted to do that, right? Yeah. So uh, there's, there's one, there's one piece in between oh, there is, okay. uh, the, yeah, in between the pop-up life and, and Dozier's uh, we, we were looking the, the whole time we were popping up, we were looking for uh, another location to set up a brick and mortar, but the, the timing was at that point, the timing was really, really bad. Uh, barbecue had literally exploded in Houston, in the Houston area uh, and the commercial commercial property rates had gone through the roof. Uh, so it's making it really difficult for us yeah. to find a spot that made sense where you know you weren't you weren't already saturated with competition and, and you could afford the rents 
Uh, and I, we, we, we found an opportunity in Galveston, which is an island down south of Houston, yeah. uh, to take over an existing restaurant that was not barbecue, not a barbecue restaurant. But the, the owners wanted out of the business. Uh, we're like basically looking for somebody to come in, uh, pay rent, and take over their business. Uh, and they, they thought it would be a good idea to, you know, uh, kind of fold in the barbecue theme, not turn it into a barbecue restaurant, but continue with the Gulf Coast, uh, the Gulf Coast menu, um, the comfort food menu, and fold barbecue into it, which to me was perfect. Literally, I, I'd spent my entire professional career as a barbecue guy trying to figure out how to uh, uh, infuse smoked proteins into other dishes. And this was, you know, just like a blank canvas for me. And, and did you do that? We did. We went. We went to Galveston. Uh, you know, I, I, I was I was very optimistic about it. Pie in the sky, if you will. Uh, we went to Galveston, and uh, you know, got a lot of critical acclaim. Uh, we're not really met with open arms by a lot of the local residents. There was a lot of uh, resentment towards us um, because people felt like we were ruining, a, a, you know, a much beloved restaurant. Which you know. Oh, okay. So it was, it was one of those things. And now that yeah, makes, yeah. I can see people take, doing that stuff. Yeah. I, and we went into it, and I, you know, I. We went into it and, and told people up front, look, we're not turning it into a barbecue restaurant. I mean, I kept the entire kitchen staff. We kept all the recipes. We didn't really change much of anything. The only thing different was the people that were running the place were different. Um, you know, the name changed because, uh, the, you know, the, the previous the previous restaurant name was not my business name. Yeah. And it didn't reflect everything that we were trying to do. Uh, so we, 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 uh, you know, we, we had some hits and some misses, uh, and then in January of, uh, 2019, um, we, we closed our doors, uh, was it 19? Maybe it was 2020. Uh, we closed our doors. Yeah, it must've been 2020. So uh, we closed our doors, just weren't going to be able to make it into, uh, the, the tourist season. Um, and, you know, looking at it in hindsight, that's probably not a bad thing because, uh, coronavirus. Yeah, exactly. Tourist isn't yeah. all of a sudden. Yeah, you know, January, January or March, what does it matter? You would have closed our doors anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. So that we, we closed in January and the guys from Dozier started calling me pretty much immediately. Uh, they were looking for somebody to come in and take over the ship and, um, kind of put them on the path to success. And, uh, I went and met with them and now here we are. Wow. And you know what this story tells you too is and it's that it's that military mentality, but it's also the, the sticking to something. Keep like you're in your this is something you really you're really passionate about. This is something you really want to do. Just keep plugging away, pushing forward. But it's also it's it's something that you you really want to do. And you're trying to make as, as best decisions as you could. And they seem like when in hindsight, all really good decisions, but you just kept sticking at it. So for people that maybe are listening to this that are down or that are interested in opening a business, a business being a food business or something else, you can do it. It's just, it's not an, always an easy path, but it's, it's, look where you, like, it's amazing that we're talking right now after all that, that has happened. I'm sure there were moments where even though you're, you're diligent and you're working hard, you're still probably, there are moments where like, what the heck is going on here? This is really hard. Yeah, it, it really is. You know, uh, it, it exacted a pretty significant emotional and mental toll. I'm fortunate to have a very strong network of friends, uh, you know, a very, very supportive and strong wife, you know, who kept, you know, kept kind of putting things in perspective for me. Um, I, I wasn't ready to quit in Galveston. Um, uh, you know, basically my wife had to sit me down and say, look, it's time. Um, you know, we're just not, we're not going to be able to do this uh, for much longer. And, you know, let's, let's walk away while we have the opportunity. It's tough. You know, the, the, the food and beverage industry is very tough in general. Um, barbecue is especially tough because, uh, and no disrespect to, you know, guys working in, um, um, con you know, conventional restaurants, but barbecue is extremely long hours. You know, you, you start, uh, before the sun comes up and you're usually there long after the sun goes down. Um, and it's just a, it's just a complete grind. The fluctuation of meat prices. There's so many things. And especially now I think meat prices are going up, right? Yep. Yep. They're, they're on the rise. Uh, and they were, they were obviously in the rise during the, the pandemic, but it seems like I'm starting to see a lot of people I'll post something. And then all of a sudden it's like discussion about meat prices and nothing about what I, what yeah. I posted. So obviously it's, it's something that's heavy on people's minds, but it's also, it's, and it's hard to pass that on to the customer, but they have to understand. And I think a lot of people do. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, some people do and some people don't. Um, uh, we, I, I've had a lot of conversations over the last week or two with uh, my peers 
um, you know, we're faced with the same thing. The cost of brisket is is gone through the roof. Um, cost of pork is on the rise, uh, and the consumers don't really understand. You know, they go to the grocery store and they see that they can buy a brisket for a dollar ninety nine a pound, and they're like, "Why am I paying twenty twenty dollars a pound for brisket?" Well, I mean, it, you may be paying two dollars a pound for a select grade brisket. Um, I'm paying significantly more than that for a choice grade brisket. Uh, and, you know, after I trim it and cook it, it's a really only a 40% yield. So you know, let's just say my average, my average raw weight cost is nine and a half dollars per pound. That doesn't factor any uh, expense for spices, for wood, for labor. And, at, you know, when it takes 18 hours to cook a brisket, uh, there's there's a fair amount of labor expense yeah. on that. We don't make any money on brisket. It's it's a complete loss leader, but you have to cook it in Texas because that's what people expect. Um, you know, you try to make up you try to make up some of the margin on the other proteins and on the sides, but you know, it, twenty dollars a pound for brisket, you're you're not making any money at all. That's that's you know you you are the very first person that said that. Like I've known that or at least assumed that. But it's I've also heard with beef ribs too. Beef ribs. For a lot of people, are the the short ribs are lost later too, or it's like a reason to get people in, and then because it's but it depends on I guess it depends on the, the business. Yeah, so uh, you know I, I don't really cook beef ribs. I love to cook beef ribs. It's one of my favorite cuts, uh, that and prime rib. Um, oh, but yes. you know, it, uh, yeah, you know, it, it, beef ribs are, are are that wow factor. People uh, people are like I want one of those big dino ribs that weighs two pounds on the bone. Um, and then when you charge them twenty four dollars a pound, yeah, they're you're, like, not what? Any, you're literally not making a dollar at twenty four dollars a pound. Uh, and they're they're faced with paying thirty five to forty dollars for one beef rib. They look at you and they're like, why why is it so expensive? Yeah, they're they're you're not making money, and they're like mad. Yeah. It's like forty. Yeah, so I don't I don't even cook them. Uh, uh, you know, except for on very rare occasions, um, just because the people in our market just they don't they don't understand the concept of paying forty dollars for one beef rib. And frankly, I don't blame them. Yeah, no, that makes sense. And it's also that's a that's a lot of money. It's they're delicious. They're wonderful. And yeah. prime rib too. You're like a man after my soul. Like prime rib, it holds such a special place in my heart. Yeah. Like anytime I see like when a barbecue place has prime rib, it's like, oh gosh, that's just yeah, that's amazing. Because not a lot of places do. Let's I want to talk about your menu in depth, but let's talk a little bit about. We, you kind of mentioned the barbecue community, barbecue family. Didn't you, didn't something happen? Wasn't right at the beginning of the pandemic, didn't like Blake come out, but didn't you have some sort of event or something? Or- yeah. Yeah, so uh, you know, um, we're, there's this there's this phrase called hashtag barbecue family, um, you know, and for the most part, we we uh, we really do believe in it. There are a few guys that don't, you know, they don't really play along. They're they're more focused on themselves. But yeah. um, it, it's it's really it's it's really a, a, an interesting phenomenon. You know, we we we're bound together by the by the common um, experiences, uh, all of the struggles, the long hours. Um, and we, we do have a, a great sense of community and a lot of us, you know, talk to each other regularly. In fact, I, I had lunch yesterday with, uh, uh, several guys, Brett Bourne from Brett's backyard. Oh yeah. I saw that he was out there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, you know, Russell Regal, Misty Regal, um, just it, it, we, we talk to each other regularly and we share experiences. We ask for advice, uh, and it's a great thing. So Blake Stoker from, uh, Blake's barbecue in Martin, Tennessee is a friend of mine. Um, who, you know, guy practically lives in Texas. Um, that's a joke. He doesn't really live here, but he spends a lot of time in Texas uh, learning about Texas barbecue, which is the, the style that he practices in Tennessee. Uh, he and Brian Bingham from Bodacious, Bodacious Barbecue on Moverly uh, uh, and I were talking about doing an event together at my place in Galveston. Uh, and then we closed, so that didn't happen. Um, but I was I was looking for an opportunity to you know cook with both of those guys. Uh, so we did an event last fall, brought them down, did a collaboration, and uh, it was uh, it, it was really really special because everybody had been pinned up uh, because of the pandemic for a solid six to seven months, uh, and I had just um, uh, added a lot of picnic tables in our outdoor uh, outdoor seating area. Uh, so it's a chance for people to show up and uh, visit with each other in a outdoor setting that was socially distanced, um, and to have uh, to have a chance to to eat some stuff that was pretty 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 unique. Uh, Brian, I think Brian did chicken mole boudin, which was just ridiculously good. Blake did his uh, signature pimento cheese with yes. collaboration sausage. I mean, it was just a good time. We had like 300 people out here. It was crazy. Yeah. And it was actually kind of the first time I saw 
humans get together again like it was yeah. it was inspiring because it, it, it was all, you know, also frustrating that i was penned up watching it like on the yeah. internet but it was but it was beautiful it was nice and it was also again it showed that that family exists no matter what happens a terrible pandemic comes through and still like you guys were able to pull that off and make that happen and i'm sure you're more than excited just like anybody else for the festivals and the different events to come back because that's that's a way to reconnect with people yeah, that's and that, that's that's you nailed it right there. Um, you know, I said we're, the barbecue community is very tight knit, um, but we we all work the same days. Uh, you know, so we don't really get to see each other very often. Uh, and festivals is really the only venue when we can all come together. Uh, you know, like for example, the Houston Barbecue Festival is probably the biggest uh, that we all get to uh, join it, join together again. Uh, and it's only on a Sunday. Well, we're there all day Saturday, and on Saturday night we have. Uh, what we call family meal where you know oh we all get together we all cook something and we're just uh hanging out talking eating together um you know getting to have that sense of community that we don't really get to experience during the rest of the year yeah and i'm sure that jc and fulmer are both itching to figure out a time when when it's safe to have a festival again and do that again because and it is that night i always see that night before you guys are all eating and drinking and people cook up some of us cook up steaks and we do this or whatever like make a bite-sized piece and this it just looks like that's what barbecue is about and that's what that's what it truly and it's it is really the people and it's the connections i and a lot of times and i've even mentioned on the show a lot of people don't understand why i love barbecue so much and it's not just because i'm like this crazy carnivore which maybe I am, but I'm, it's, it's also, it's the people, it's the, the connections and there's people that I text all the time or DM and, and it's so nice to, you know, it's, I've, you've created these friendships and that you, you have even more so because you've been in physical contact with all these people. It's, it's really, really nice. It's, it's, let's talk about your menu now. Are there yeah. always 13 sausages? Yeah, we do 13 sausages. No, th those, those are not on the barbecue side. That's on the meat market side. That's on the meat market side. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, uh, uh, let's, let's talk about the meat market side first. Sure. Um, because that's really the foundation of what we do. Uh, you know, we have 13 different styles of sausage we have available every day in the, in the meat case. Uh, we have house smoked bacon that's uh, uh, pretty famous in its own right. It's referred to as presidential ba bacon because George H.W. Bush was so fond of it that when he was in the White House, he would he would fly an aide down on Air Force One to collect slabs, whole slabs of bacon and fly it back to D.C. so he could have it available to him. Uh, yeah, it's it's it's, that's it's cool. Yeah, we do. So we do a regular bacon that we do a peppered bacon uh, and we, we sell a lot of it. Um, we have seven different styles of jerky. Uh, we do our own snack sticks, also known as Slim Jims. You know, we do, uh, we actually have four different styles of Slim Jims. We do a venison and pork blend. We do a beef. We do uh, jalapeno cheese. We do a straight cheese. You know, we, we, we've, we've got a lot of offerings on the smokehouse side. Uh, that translates into the barbecue side. Uh, on the barbecue side, the menu is fairly traditional. Um, you know, we have brisket. We have pork ribs. Uh, I cook St. Louis cut pork ribs. Uh, we do turkey, which is whole, whole lobe turkey. We have pit ham. Uh, then we, on the barbecue side, we sell every day of the week, we serve two different styles of sausage. And on the weekends, we have three different styles of sausage available. And it kind of rotates, just depends on what I feel like cooking that day. Uh, we do smoked boudin, and then we do chicken by the half. I was reading somewhere that you, it's, it's by the pound, like people aren't saying like, I want to slice. Is it was there, is there something different about that that you're everything because isn't it always up by the pound or am I going crazy or no it's 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 so traditionally in Texas meat is is priced by the pound you know yeah. if you go back to you know the the, the central Texas uh, meat market style barbecue um, it's everything is priced by the pound and you can order whatever quantity you want um, you know what I tell people is. Uh, Dozers used to be known for doing plates. Uh, plates okay. just did not make sense. From an economic standpoint, plates don't make sense. Um, I mean, it's almost impossible to cut an exact quarter pound of meat. So if you price a plate out, it has a quarter pound of one meat and a quarter pound of another meat, and you take two slices of brisket and it's over a quarter pound, what are you going to do, yeah. right? I mean, you're going to cut one of those slices of, of beef in half and put it on the plate for the customer to complain that you cut their brisket in half? No. So the, the way the way you uh, transition to... Uh, a model that's that's more fair to the business and puts the power in the hands of the consumer is you do away with the plates where you're 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 telling them you're getting this much meat in the, this many sides and you basically say okay here's what we offer you tell us what you want 
Yeah. We'll, we'll cut whatever quantity of the proteins that you want. Some people have a hard time visualizing, well, what's a half pound of brisket look like? And I'll, what I'll tell them is when they're coming to the block, I'll tell them, hey, just tell me how many slices you want. Okay. Or tell me when to stop. Okay. Okay. So, so it's, it's, yeah. Okay. So it's not, I don't know why in some article that I read, because I was trying to do research ahead of time, like a little bit of research. And it was saying like how that was different, but maybe it's different for certain people that were used to the plate system, like having a plate. Yeah, it is. It's different for people that are used to having plates. Okay. Um, uh, you know, it, it, and I understand, you know, the transition is difficult. Uh, as a consumer, you're used to a certain thing and you walk in and it's not that way anymore. Uh, and it can be frustrating. But what you know, we tell people when they walk in is, well, you know, we, don't, we no longer offer plates. However, we can build you a plate. Yeah. Everything yeah. is priced a la carte. We can build you a plate. You just have to tell us what you want. Yeah. And isn't that more fun to have like your choice of like how to create? Yeah. And that's, and that's what, that's the way I look at it. I mean, we've basically given the power back to the consumer instead of telling them this is how, this is what's on your plate. Yeah. And then what sides, and then do you guys have dessert too? You must have. Oh yeah. Yeah. We, we, uh, we have, uh, I think it's 13 different side options. Uh, and then we have two, two dessert options. So let me start at the top and we'll work our way down. Uh, our most popular, uh, side is a uh, uh, Southern style potato salad. It's a uh, uh, mustard and mayonnaise based. Wow. Uh, we also have a loaded, uh, a loaded potato salad, which is basically a baked potato without butter, but it's cold. Then oh, uh, we have collard greens, uh, macaroni and cheese, ranch beans, pinto beans, green beans. Uh, we have two forms of slaw. We have a regular coleslaw and then we have a broccoli slaw. Uh, uh, we serve a Texas caviar, the tr a traditional Texas caviar recipe with a lime vinaigrette on it then for desserts we have uh a banana pudding and a chocolate oreo pudding that's a lot to a lot of moving parts yeah it's, it, i mean it's it's a lot of offerings but it's uh our, our serving line is set up cafeteria style so people you know people walk down the line they're, they're looking through a sneeze guard they can see all of the options uh you know and it, it, i think it's really helpful for the consumer to be able to see it instead oh, of yeah. looking at a menu and saying what is texas caviar oh that's what texas caviar is <laughs> yeah no no and when i had first heard that i think yeah a lot of people are like oh is it like rocky mountain oysters or some kind of weird like uh it's something else yeah <laughs> but it's uh, it's but also too no i'm just saying for like from your side yeah. that's a lot of a lot of sides and then you have a lot of proteins and then you have two desserts and you're offering a lot and then you have your brunch so is it are you open seven days a week then because it's we're open six days a week. Uh, days a week. When, when, yeah, when I took over, they were open seven days a week. Um, but, you know, you have barbecue pits that need to be cleaned. Um, if you don't clean them, they become a fire hazard. And you're putting out barbecue that has a, uh, not, not, not a very good flavor to it because, you know, the, the, the equipment that you're cooking on is not clean. So when the pandemic, uh, when the pandemic forced the first shutdown, um, I, I, I went to the owners and said, look, you know, we really need to be closed on Monday. Yes, we're going to lose revenue, but we're also going to save labor expense and product expense because, uh, you know, we're, we're not doing anything that day. And it gives me a chance to uh, clean the pits um, and cook, you know, and cook for the following day's service, uh, you know, without having to handle all of the, the moving pieces that go along with operating a business. Yeah. And then also too, kind of semi-traditionally places are closed on Mondays. That's most barbecue places in Texas are closed on Monday and Tuesday. Um, you know, we're open six days. Uh, we're open 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. Tuesday through Sunday. And are you there most of the time? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Well, you're a hardworking guy. It's, it, it makes sense, but it's like, huh, like there's, that's, that's, that's a lot. Now you guys, did you bring in the, Mo, you have one Mo, Moberg or two Moberg? I have two. Um, yeah, I, I brought in both Moberg 500s. Um, you know, Moberg, uh, Mobergs are uh, one of the um, most well-known and best-performing offset smokers on the on the market. Uh, you know, them and Millscale are, are pretty much the, the top of the food chain. When I started, the the they still had all of Ed Dozier's original direct hit pits, uh, direct hit pit pits. And did I say that right? Direct. No, no, you're, yeah. no, no, yeah, yeah. you're, you're almost. It's, it, you're almost like, you're it. like split. <laughs> direct, yeah, direct. Pit. So they had all of Ed's direct heat pits uh, still in place, and they were cooking chicken and ribs on them daily. Um, you know, and, and I mean that that that's fine for you know the '60s, um, but you know, the, in, in the current era of barbecue, uh, if you really want to stand out to the consumer, you've got to put out a product that's consistent with uh, the modern era. Um, you know, so I, I, I did a taste test with the owners and I said, Hey, look, 
here's here's chicken and ribs off an offset. Uh, here's chicken and ribs the way that y'all were cooking them. Tell me which one is better. Uh, and I didn't tell them which was which. Uh, they said, oh, yeah, this stuff is way better. And I was like, good, that's great. I need money to buy a couple of pits. Um, and uh, we bought a couple of Moberg. So we've, we've since added um we uh we have an oiler 700 which had been there uh for 30 something years um that's what that's my primary pit for cooking briskets uh then we added the mobergs uh the mobergs were for small proteins and i run those very hot very fast um uh which is kind of my 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 thing uh hot and fast uh and then you uh get that thing from somebody yeah, I did. Uh, this guy named John Miller, um, who uh, uh, is uh, known as the Dark Prince of Barbecue uh, from the Louis Miller clan. Uh, you know, John. John is a, a hot and fast guy. He doesn't use thermometers. He doesn't use temperature pens. Um, you know, the, he walks by and looks at the fire and says, "That's either hot enough or it's not hot enough." Um, you know, just kind of pick that up from him now i think i'm actually cooking hotter than he is now uh although there's no way to really know because again he doesn't use gauges um but you know i i'm now on my small proteins i'm running my pit 375 to 400 uh you know even, even up to 425 just depends on what we're depends on what we're cooking and that's and it's for people that somehow maybe i don't know most people are cooking around, around 225 ish right like no like, so that's that's a misnomer is that a misnomer uh, is that something yeah that it's, it's a misnomer yeah uh it's funny i just listened to a podcast with daniel vaughn a couple of weeks ago uh and he kind of he kind of came clean um you know his, his when he when he when he really first started uh uh you know uh, exploring texas barbecue he like most people had the belief that you know traditional texas barbecues cook low and slow you know 200 220 25 um that's that's really not accurate um you know if you look at the old school places in central texas they're all using um you know uh brick pits mm -hmm. yeah, like louis miller. yeah yeah you know like louis miller uh taylor cafe uh Kreitz, smitty's blacks mm -hmm. um and they're they're using really hot fire so you know they were already cooking hot and fast it's just everybody assumed that they weren't because you know traditional barbecue is cooked low and slow and that's just not really accurate 25 come from then that you know i i really don't know the answer to that um it's just it's one of those urban legends that is yeah. just kind of taken off now so what i'm doing uh now is uh a blend um i i i am cooking briskets very low and very slow um our briskets go on the pit uh unwrapped at 185 degrees uh they cook for six hours uh unwrapped you know to develop a bark and get smoke on them uh after six hours when the bark is formed we'll put them in paper and put them back on the pit and then they go another 12 hours at 185 so i'm going a solid 18 hours at 185 on briskets huh. uh, i can cook a brisket hot and fast i've done it most of my career um, but you know with the equipment that we have in place this process works very very well for us uh, and the briskets all finished at the same time. I don't have to worry too much about um, checking all checking all 30, 35 briskets and making sure that they're all done because I know they're going to be done. Yeah, and you can know by touch, right? Yeah, you can you can uh, you know when they're in paper, you can just pick them up and you can tell by you can tell by the feel of the bottom of them or the, or the bend uh, when you pick them up. You can tell if they're done. Wow, that's that's so that's so interesting. This is what's so funny is it's taken three years for someone to, to talk about like the temperatures and and, yeah. how, and how things. But it's but it is funny, but also too because of John and and did you work with him? No, I, I I've never worked with John. Just John uh John and I became friends uh, uh through a uh, foundation that I was uh, a part of. We used to do a very large charity cook uh, in Houston. That again, back when you know craft barbecue was first really starting to take off, we would bring John into town and we'd do a massive cook. Uh, for, was that uh, Neil? Was Neil there too? Yeah, Neil came to one of them. Okay. Yeah, Neil Strouder. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Neil. Neil came down for one of those. Um, but you know, we would we would uh, you know, I'd, I'd run around begging and borrowing uh, pits, um, and, and we'd we'd set up what we called pit row, and we'd have six massive trailer pits, and we would cook fifteen hundred to two thousand pounds of barbecue uh, overnight with the army of volunteers and then serve it the next day. Um, and you know, all the funds that we raised, we would uh, donate to a charity of John's choosing. And it was usually something related to homeless veterans because that was a soft spot for John. So uh, John and I became really good friends through that. Um, I have cooked with him uh, a number of times, you know, at his place, he's cooked, he's come to my place. Uh, and then we've done those events together and just became, just became I knew there was some sort of connection and I, yeah. I, just, I didn't quite know how. And then 
but is there any kind of a foundation or is there a veteran thing that you support that we could talk about or that we, that you want to mention? Um, yeah, you know, there, there are a number of organizations out there and I don't really want to say this organization or that because okay. they're all pretty worthy. Um, but you know, there, there's, there's a, there's a big need for support for veterans coming back. You know, we've been at war for 20 something years. Um, and, and, and being deployed does things to guys. Uh, they come back and oh, they're, yeah. uh, you know, their, their mental state is altered. Um, you've got guys coming back, uh, with all sorts of physical ailments. Um, you know, so any foundation that, um, uh, is supportive of, of veterans who are struggling to, you know, uh, rejoin civilian life or who have, um, uh, impairments, you know, those are really, those are definitely worthy foundations to get involved with. Definitely. And, and I know it sounds sort of knee jerk, but thank you for your service. I, I, it's, I can't, you can't thank veterans enough. And so thank you so much for, for what you did. Were you in Iraq? Is that? Yeah. Um, yeah, it is, uh, you know, I, it, it was an easy decision for me. Um, I was raised in a military family. Um, my dad, his dad, his dad were all career army officers. So I, I grew up traveling the world. Uh, and, you know, when I, when I was in high school, uh, I was smart enough to know that I didn't have the self-discipline to go to college and be successful. Um, you know, and I had this uh, romantic view of military life. Uh, so uh, my senior year of high school, I decided I was going to join the army and when talked to my dad and said, "Hey, this is what I'm going to do," and he said, uh, uh, "Are you sure you want to do that?" And I said, "Yes, yes, I am." Uh, so uh, we went to the, we went to the recruitment office, and I signed my uh, delayed entry uh, papers. And my entire senior year, I knew where I was going when I graduated. Wow! Did you end up in what, how far back was this? Was this the first? Eighty-six. Yeah, I'm, I'm an old guy. This was back in eighty-six. Yeah, yeah, no, no, you're. I'm an old guy too. So it's, uh, <laughs> old guys unite. Yeah, exactly. I know it's yeah. we're old, but we're not old. But it uh, yeah, so yeah. it was a it was like Gulf War. It was Gulf War one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was pre Gulf War. Um, but you know, it, it my, my time in service spanned spanned that little excursion. Yeah. Okay. Oh, okay. So that but so but you did spend time overseas then. I did. Yeah, that must have been interesting. That's that's a discussion for another time. But I, yeah. I, 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 again, it's you know, it's it's interesting too how there's a lot of families that military is built into the family. Like it's something yeah. like your uncles and your. I don't have as much of that in my family, but it's it's something that I have a lot of friends and a lot of guys too. I know that did the National Guard, kind of maybe in the back of their minds thinking I'll never probably see action and then. Yeah. They all yeah I have a cousin I have a cousin who did that I have a cousin who um, when when the Gulf War the first Gulf War was was really starting to kick off he joined the National Guard thinking he would avoid uh, getting yeah. shipped off uh, and then his unit was uh, actually uh, mobilized and it was being deployed so he, he, he moved to another state and joined the National Guard there uh, trying to avoid being deployed and sure enough he gets he went to Colorado he was there like six weeks and they were mobilized that's so, funny. Oh, that's so crazy and, and it's interesting too like it's it's amazing that what's happening now like if they're going to pull troops from afghanistan and i have friends yeah. that have have been there and it's it's just it's just a wild the, the things that they've told me are things that it's hard to believe i guess it's it's, it's i guess the world the world's a weird it's, it's a crazy place but i it, it, yeah it is it's definitely crazy <laughs> it's crazy <place. laughs> is there anything that we missed about dozers or there's anything about th that you want to want people to know specifically about you or about the restaurant that they should know or i guess it's it's you said 11 to 7 is that the yeah tuesday through sunday 11 to 7 um now i, I have to clarify that a little bit um uh we we uh we have a guy uh tethered to us selling crawfish during crawfish season so on friday and saturday nights right now i stay open until eight uh to kind of um you know make oh, it cool. easier for people to come eat uh and that's kind of a prelude to uh planned dinner service uh, I, I'm developing a dinner menu. I'm trying not to take on too many things at one time. Sometime in the next month, uh, you'll see us add dinner hours on Friday and Saturday night, probably until 8.30 or 9 o'clock at night. Uh, there will be an abbreviated dinner menu in addition to the full barbecue. Um, things, like, things like a smoked prime rib plate, uh, a smoked nice. rainbow plate, um, the, the smoked burger, the grilled cheese and brisket, those kinds of things. Uh, and then on Sunday, we just launched last weekend uh, my barbecue brunch uh, service. So on Sundays, now we open at 10 a.m. We run brunch from 10 to, from 10 to 1. Uh, and at 11 a.m., we open the barbecue line. So 10 to 11, it's only brunch. At 11 o'clock, you can okay. get more barbecue. Uh, and at 1 o'clock, we shut down the, the brunch service. And I saw that you have pork steaks, right? 
Yeah, I do pork steak. So on uh, on the brunch menu, there's seven items on the brunch menu. Uh, there's the red eye, which is uh, my espresso rub pork ribs uh, with a sweet cream waffle and a couple of eggs. Uh, there's a brisket hash, which is breakfast potatoes with a ranchero sauce, uh, some chopped brisket and uh, a couple of eggs. Uh, huevos rancheros, which is pinto beans, a couple of tostadas, um, ranchero sauce, a couple of eggs, a uh, slice of brisket, and then uh, the accoutrement. Uh, then the smoked monkey bread, which is actually really, really good. Uh, mm -hmm. Smoked monkey bread with bourbon infused raisins uh, and a bourbon caramel sauce. Um, then uh, a, a brisket, uh, brisket on a biscuit, which is a smoked biscuit uh, with uh, cream gravy that's got a little bit of hot sauce in it uh, and brisket on top of it. it. It's a pretty, it's a pretty well-rounded brunch menu. Yeah, it sounds like a... Yeah, for a place that, you know, is a 64-year-old barbecue place. Good on you. That sounds so, that alone sounds like everything else sounds great, but that sounds just like so special. Are there photos online of those items yet or? Yeah, yeah, there is. Uh, if you go to uh, any of the Dozier's Barbecue social media or to my social media, uh, it's at Dozier's BBQ. Uh, my social media is at jbuck, J-B-U-C-H-013. Uh, you'll see pictures of all of the brunch items on on those uh, and then Allison Cook with the Houston Chronicle wrote an article last week uh, previewing the brunch service before we actually started it uh, there's pictures of all the items in that too okay yeah okay I'll put I'll put links to all that stuff and I'll do a companion blog and then I'll also if you're watching on the YouTube side I'll have a montage of photos so that people kind of you know, get hungry and get, get interested yeah. that is so and it, yeah and also do if allison click cook if she's listening I've, I've been trying to bug her because i've been trying to interview her for three years but she hasn't responded so let's see allison, allison's you know she's she's a uh she's a super nice lady yeah um, so nice. I, I have a, i have a huge amount of respect for her but she can be a little reclusive um you know i don't it, think it, i don't honestly i just don't think she wants to do it that's just <laughs> could I, be i mean she's you know there's a lot of people i've talked to there's a guy that yeah. like for food and wine that i david lanzell he's amazing but he's like i don't do interviews like that i just don't do it yeah so that's fine and that's that's definitely fine well <laughs> but it's but it is nice it seems like the people are gravitating like eric and jc and allison and uh, greg it just seems like people are excited about what you're doing and do you want me to put a link to the daniel interest because it was interesting how there was like, you know, that day that he came and then yeah. you want me to put a link to that below or do you? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I look, it's, a, uh, I, you know, I, I, I have to own the experience. Um, you know, Daniel, Daniel's been a fan of, uh, my product for, you know, a few years. Um, and, and he came on a day, uh, that was just not a good day. You know, it, 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 you know, we, we try to be perfect every single day. Um, we, we were, uh, at the time I was, I was, working a practice that made sense to me, but in retrospect, probably wasn't the best practice for consumers. Uh, and that was because we were closed on Mondays, um, you know, and I work six days a week, a lot of hours, I was trying to do two things. One was have a day where the pits were not hot uh, so we could clean them. And two, have a day where I didn't have to go to work. Um, and uh, I was cooking briskets on Sunday for Tuesday service. So, gotcha. uh, you know, if, if you want to look at it um, in, in a harsh light, you can say, well, those are day old briskets. Uh, technically that's true. They are day old briskets, but they're not briskets that we cook for service held at hot temperatures. And then at the end of the day, they were left over. So we put them in the cooler and decided to reheat them. They're briskets that were specifically cooked Cook for, for Tuesday service. Yeah. yeah. So they, I mean, I cooked them on Sunday. Uh, they came off the pit. We allowed them to rest to room temperature and then we immediately coolered them. Um, and you, you can reheat brisket easily yeah. without overcooking it. And it's just as good as, as if it was coming off the pit fresh. And, uh, and, and that was the practice that I was using it on the day that Daniel came. Um, he was served uh, a tray of food that was not very good. Um, and, you know, I have to own that because that was food that I cooked and it was on his tray. Uh, and, and, you know, we had a very long talk and he was pretty direct with me. Um, and, I, and I told him flatly, he said, look, I understand that um, uh, I understand that that's not a good tray, but that food, I'm telling you, that food is not representative of what we're putting out here at Dozier's. Um, it is representative because you're here and that's it, your tray. It happened, but yeah. Right. Uh, so, you know, we talked about it and, uh, uh, it, and it did make me rethink my approach to um, cooking for Tuesday service. So on Mondays now, uh, when, the, when the restaurant is closed, I go to work. 
Yeah. I go to work sure, on yeah. Monday and I cook briskets for Tuesday service. So Tuesday morning when uh, uh, when my team comes to work, they've got fresh briskets to pull off. And I try to take Tuesdays off now, um, you know, which is which is good and bad because uh, I, I know Daniel's going to come back for another visit and he'll probably come back on a Tuesday. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully he won't. But yeah, yeah, yeah. He tends he to, he tends to, do, he tends to do things like yeah. that. That's yeah. definitely. But also too, he did come back. Was it the very next day? And yeah, I, I, you know, uh, I just asked him. I said, look, I said, I, 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 you know, I could get out of this. I could get off out of this chair and go to the and go to the warming cabinet and find better food to put on a tray for you than what you have in front of you. Um, I, I wasn't on the cutting block when he came through. Um, I'm not deflecting blame because yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I cooked the food. Um, but I knew I could go find something better in the warming cabinet than what was on his tray. Um, but I also knew that that was not what he wanted to hear. So I said, I could go get better food, but I know that's not what you want to hear. The only thing I can say is please come back because your, your second experience, I guarantee you will not be like your first experience. Um, and, uh, uh, he came back the next morning and, uh, my wife was, my, my wife was helping out that day and she was standing on the line next to me. I was on the cutting block and she goes, Hey, Look who's here. I looked up and I saw him. And uh, when he got to the cutting block, I just smiled at him and said, uh, Mr. Vaughn, good to see you. I haven't seen you in a while. What can I do for you today? <laughs> As he was watching me uh, cut his food, he said, now that looks really good. Go up at the article below. And, it, and he does yeah. talk about how that was so much better. And it was, and it, that'll happen. And I know that there's a lot of people that that moment that they see that they notice that Daniel's there and they know that they that something happened that night or something happened with the pit or whatever and they right. just know that they're going to be serving food that's not a great representation of what they do on a daily basis and to be that's another thing that people don't understand being consistent with something like that it's difficult on a daily basis like to put out top-notch food every day is is it's the goal but it's not easy it's not it's not easy especially um uh you know when 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 there's only one or two people uh working for pits uh and you're you're juggling you know eight to nine different meats and and you're cooking a, a fair volume of each of those meats uh it is challenging it's not it's not an easy job um you know working in any kitchen is not an easy job because you 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 have to be perfect plate to plate and nobody's perfect definitely and then also if i wanted to ask if someone comes at say 5 30 six o'clock are they going to be able to get brisket or is that generally other protein I, I can't really answer that because every day is different um you know we we have days where you know we sell out early and we have days where we don't sell out from a, a barbecue operator standpoint you want to sell out because you don't want to have food left at the end of the day uh I, i'm i'm not i'm not reheating and and you know serving day old food to people and if you're not doing that well what do you do with the product that you have left um, but as a consumer, you also want to be able to get what you want when you want it. So, uh, you know, we look at, yeah, we look at, I, I look at my, my traffic counts, uh, in my demand for product, uh, on a three, on a three week basis. And I try to predict what I'm going to need, uh, every day that following week. And some days we guess, right. Some days we don't, I just have no way of knowing how many people are going to walk through the door on any given day. Yeah. So, so we'll just come early. This, this doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. Yeah, come so early. I, yeah, you know, John, John Brotherton um, in uh, Pflugerville and Round Rock has the saying, come late, lose weight, um, you know, which is, uh, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a kind of, it, it's a catchy way of saying, hey, show up early if you know you want barbecue. But what I tell people is uh, you can do one of two things. You can come early or if you know you want barbecue late in the day, call and place your order. Mm -hmm. If you call and place your order in advance, we'll go ahead and set it aside. I mean, I'm not going to take an order from you and then sell it to somebody else. If you place an order, we're going to go ahead and set that meat aside uh, so that when you arrive, it's available for you. Um, you know, that, that's, that's the best practice. Or the, 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 the absolute fail safe is, hey, call before you leave to, to make sure that we still have product. And yeah, to I'm find out. A lot, that's, 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 I've done that a lot of times. Yeah. I said, you guys still have risk. You guys still have blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that's. Yeah, it, it's because, it's I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's a complete crapshoot. You know, and, and we've gotten to the point now where um, we have people uh, who, who have heard about what we're doing and they drive a fair distance. You know, we've got people driving an hour or more to come see us. Um, and, and we have had people who drove uh, a, a fair distance only to arrive and we didn't have what they were looking yeah. for. And it's, it, and it's, and it, I feel bad for them, but I mean, there's not a whole lot I can do about it. I, yeah. I can't, I can't load up on brisket and hope I sell them all and then end up with a bunch of brisket left. But that's something that every 
barbecue restaurant has had those customers come in. They'll come in. I you know, I drove two hours. My yeah, it's it's and especially I I manage a place in Los Angeles and everything takes an hour or two hours to get yeah. anywhere anywhere. And some people would show up and they'd be very angry. But also too, there's that group of people that just show up at restaurants like five minutes before they're about to close and they they assume that they can get a full meal. So it's yeah. You can't really. It's and those people are not listening to this at all. I'm sure they're, no, not. they're not. No. Well, thank you, Jim, so much for taking the time. And I've wanted to talk to you for a while. And I'm glad that we're talking at this time because things and it's things are opening up and people are get a chance to actually. If we had talked six months from now, people are hesitant to. People are a lot less hesitant to go out. And in Texas, they were never really <laughs> super hesitant, but they were yeah. on the fence. But I, I, I'm happy that that you're that kind of progressing now with this brunch and then these the potential night service that's that's amazing and I, I can't wait to visit when i come out and again it's it's pronounced dozers and then it's it's full share is that the full share full share full share okay yeah and it's it's west of it's how far west of downtown houston would you it's say? about 40 miles west of downtown houston okay. um, uh, but it's it's not really a 40 minute drive there there are a couple of easy routes um that are you know expressways um, okay. um, for you, Cal you california types um expressways out to full share you know you can get there in 25 or 30 minutes pretty easily believe me when i'm when i'm finally free for what i've been doing i'm going to go back roads all the time i don't care i want it. i am not I, I don't i don't need to sit on a freeway or be on an expressway I, I, the back roads i think are are even especially in texas they're even sweeter yeah. than they are out, out here the back roads are just nothing whatever out yeah. once you get outside the city well thank you so much have a great day today 